0: Welcome to They Had Fun. I'm Rachel, and this week I am punching above my weight class. I am so excited to have our guest. He is an amazing poet and author, and he works part-time in construction, and he happens to have a fabulous new book that's come out this month. It's called Teenager, and you will find me on the subway reading it this week because it is so great. Please welcome to the show, Bud Smith.
1: Hello. Thank you. Thanks for having me
0: thank you so much for being on the show. We'll let the audience and listeners know now I'm such a huge fan of Bud's work. And the book of his that I love so much that brought us together in the first place is Dust Bunny City, which is just a fabulous book of poems um, all set in New York City.
1: Dust Bunny City was, I think there was only 200 copies of that um, printed out. Did you happen to buy that at McNally Jackson. Yeah,
0: I I did. I got it at McNally Jackson, and I actually have a signed copy, so that's awesome.
1: Well, there was a couple of people who were working at McNally Jackson at the time who were just putting my books on the front table, two of my poetry collections, and and they're both just like love love poems uh, about me and my wife, and um, just having fun. And when we lived on 173rd Street, we lived in Washington Heights for 10 years.
0: Yeah, I mean that's how I found the book. It was on the front table, and I just thought all of the poems were so lovely, and they were, of course, so much about the love that you and your wife shared. But they also were such a love letter to New York City. So when I thought to do this podcast, I thought you'd be such an excellent a guest because I knew or assumed that you had such a love for this town. Oh, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, um, I yeah, I have a lot of obvious love for New York. I'm from I'm from New Jersey. I'm from down by Seaside Heights. And in like 2004, I think four or five, my my girlfriend at the time, she had been commuting up on the bus. Uh, she was working in textiles. She was a textile designer, and she would just take the bus up to the city every day. And um, one day, uh, she just told me, she said, "You know, I'm I'm, I'm going to move up to the city." And I, I thought that sounded insane. I, I've <laughs> gone, I've I've gone up, to, I'd gone up to New York a, a lot, you know. Off and on, maybe like once a month, just go up to the city and walk around. And like I always felt really inspired by it. But it seemed like really, really you know, ridiculous to try to live in New York being from where I was from, but um, you know, that night we had we had too much to drink, and I woke up in the morning and um, apparently uh, <laughs> blackout drunk. I guess I would I agreed to go look at some apartments, and awesome. uh, the first apartment we looked at, we lived in there for ten years.
0: A great way to make a decision, if you think about it. Uh, I love that. That's how you guys decided to move up here. You're leading us perfectly into my first questions, which are: When did you move to New York, and why did you move to New York? So let's start with the when. It sounds like you moved here around 2004.
1: Yeah, it was right around there. I remember working in Jersey City at a power plant in 2005, right around early spring 2005. I think officially is really when we were when we lived on 173rd Street.
0: Nice, and it sounds like obviously your girlfriend wanted to move here, but it also sounds like the why might be um, a few too many drinks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the best. That's the best way to do it. I think sometimes you know, take a take a wild leap and see what happens. For sure, and it didn't seem like. Moving to the city, it seemed like, okay, this is something I'll maybe I'll be able to pull off for a year. I I had a car and, you know, parking on the street every day and I needed the car to get to work. Okay, if if I can somehow manage to park my car on the streets of Manhattan for a year, somehow commute in and out of the city for a year, I can just say I did it. Yeah, Because I always wanted to, as unrealistic as it seemed for me um to live up, up there because I had no way of really getting employment in the city um at all. I had no I had no college education and um basically I just always thought, you know, I'm gonna be working working like a labor job. And I was pretty much just working as a mechanic and a welder um out of my union. I had just started, but I figured, well, I'm never gonna be able to get a subway job, you know, <laughs> like a real New Yorker. Um <laughs> sure. Which it's a terrible way to think there's lots of people in the city who commute all over. um, And, you know, sometimes we're, you know, mass transit is the best option, but there's, I saw it when I lived up there, there's a whole, a whole bunch of regular, regular people. They're just still commuting in and out of the city by car, I guess less and less these days, but I really felt like an odd duck driving around looking for a parking spot. And I would uh, (laughs) always, you know, I would pass all kinds of people just sitting in their car and i was like are you leaving and you know i quickly got to real got to know who you know who they were and that the car was an extra room in their apartment you know
0: <laughs> actually actually i don't know because um i've never had a car in new york city but i do know that that is like a whole scene here of um you know the switching the car on the sides and seeing the same people and it kind of you know brings upon this sense of like community but i've heard that from friends and people that do have cars
1: yeah and you, you know you meet all kinds of people through that but yeah, so I would, you know, you pull out and you see, see the the old man smoking the cigar and reading the newspaper and he's not waiting for the street sweeper. He's he's given his wife time to practice her opera in the apartment or, oh, okay. you know, yeah, his, his son plays the saxophone. You know, he does his saxophone skills from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. every night and he goes and he sits in the car. Or something like that.
0: Oh, okay. So it's like a it's like a way for people to get out. It's an extra uh, space. It
1: was a way to get out. You know, he had his. It's like my my family in the suburbs. You know, m- maybe dad goes in the garage and uh, works on his model airplanes or whatever. Uh, and he doesn't need to be in the garage. He could do it at the kitchen table, but. He goes out there because mom's on the sewing machine. Uh, you know, my mom was anyway. My mom was huge the crafts and stuff.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's exactly what you're saying. It's, you know, he could have been anywhere, but it was his space. And the thing is with New Yorkers, you know, we will find a way to make space out of anything. So I'm not surprised that some people, are, you know, uh, to hear that some people are turning their cars into uh, extended living rooms.
1: Well, yeah, but New Yorkers too also, they, they're, they're ingenious and in just making use of everything. The New Yorkers I know, they're just making use of the public library all the time. They're making use of going to public parks all the time. Yeah. All these things back down in the suburbs where I'm from. Nobody's in the park. Uh, someone, Someone's only in the park if, you know, they in the suburbs down where I'm from, if like there's a baseball game they have to go and watch or something.
0: Right, exactly. No, it's the same thing. I grew up in the suburbs and I don't really have many memories of going to a park. We spend a lot of time in our backyard. But, you know, here the public parks are our backyard. So you're always seeing everyone go out and utilize them.
1: Yeah. So like now I live in Jersey City right across the river, but I live right down the street from, from um, Lincoln Park which is, it's beautiful, you know, and and you go there and then everything and everything is happening at Lincoln park. And it's the same, you know, if you go Washington square park or yeah. I lived up in Washington Heights, it was, you know, Fort Tryon park.
0: Oh, it's so beautiful up there. I love Fort beautiful. Tryon.
1: Everybody's, it just feels like I would always go to like to Fort Tryon park and I would, everyone would be out laying around on their blankets and stuff and throwing frisbees around, whatever it is. And it just looks like, 1965, still or something. Um, They're just happy to live in the city.
0: Yeah, we are happy to live in the city. I just—it's definitely happening now. You know, the weather is turning, and everyone is getting outside. Please get outside, as I've said before. And you know, the parks are an excellent place to do that.
1: Yeah, like it's of course different down. You know, where I'm I'm from, it's like everyone's happy to be outside, but they're they're scattering off. Mm -hmm. Just—it's wonderful in the springtime to go to go to the parks in New York City and just see everyone around.
0: Oh, yeah, it's it's just so beautiful and so picturesque. And, you know, I can wax poetically about how much I, I love the way that New Yorkers come out in droves at springtime and how the weather is so great right now. But a little bit back to your story, you know, we, we know when you moved here and we know why you moved here now. But do you think there is any reason maybe even for your girlfriend or she is your wife now and she is lovely? Do you think she always dreamed of living here? Or do you think for her it also was like, hey, this might be something fun to do. And let's try this for a year. Yeah.
1: I think it always has to do with art. Ah. There's so little opportunity to be around people who are like openly into the arts down where we're from. Okay. Not that people aren't, but it's like almost, it's like a secret. I don't want anybody to find out. Uh, I, I like to read books or something. I had, um, when I, back then <laughs> it was 2005 and I was commuting. I was commuting up to a job in North Jersey. And I remember one day I got in a, I got in a car early in the morning with a guy I was carpooling with. And it was his turn to drive. And I, I got into the passenger side seat and he sat down he turned the ignition and jazz filled the car, you know, and he hurriedly like shut the radio off. And then we drove in silence for a little while. Uh, this is just like, um, you know, a, a bodybuilding 35 year old white man, like myself, you know? Yeah. And we were like, just driving in like terse silence. And finally he just said, don't tell anybody about that. Oh, about jazz." Oh, I was no. like, wait a, wait a second. Like, I like Miles Davis and John Coltrane and all that stuff. And he couldn't believe yeah. it. He was like, what? Like, oh man, that's. And then he confessed that it was like a gateway drug. Somebody else on the job site had gotten him into jazz the year oh. before. <laughs> and, you know, he told me the guy's name, but it was like, you know, don't ever tell anybody
0: oh, about wow. this
1: or that he also is. I'm like, dude, relax.
0: Oh. Oh my gosh, that's so sad. It's just jazz. Yeah,
1: exactly. Especially like men down there, you know, it's like tough guy stuff. We're like, yeah, I get it. You know, like being masculine is not bad. I'm not saying it is, but it's like, we don't want to look soft in front of each other or whatever, but it's like, it's okay. You can listen to some guy play the trumpet, you know, and yeah. no one's going to have to you.
0: Yeah, no, I feel terrible for him. Like I, I love jazz. Every, everyone should be able to enjoy jazz as, as much as they want to poor guy yeah I know okay, well, hopefully now he's you know more confident in his love for jazz, and no one's picking on him, but it sounds like you guys moved here uh with the idea of if you were here, you might be around more people in the arts, you might not face the exact same scrutiny that he was he was thinking about,
1: yeah, exactly. You can go to a party and you know you're still gonna have fun at a party where I'm from, I'm not saying that, but like in the city. I knew I could be at a party and it would be, you know, okay to ask anybody that read anything good and you'd actually get some answers or something, you know?
0: Yeah, sure. Like,
1: you know, you would get answers where I was from, but it would be like whatever whatever hit movie was out that, that summer, maybe someone had <laughs> cracked and bought uh, the novelization of Fight Club or something, which wonderful. It's a good book. I'm not saying that, but there's only so many times, you know. You can just get like blank stares if you ask. So uh, when I I got up into the city, I just found that there was just so many more people and so many more chances of like finding out what the cool shit was or the stuff I thought was cool.
0: Yeah. um, yeah.
1: By word of mouth. Because like the internet was there, of course, but I feel like, I don't know, it's just like worth so much more if you can find out in person.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that is for, you know, decades and centuries what has brought people to New York City. It's what brings us uh, creatives. And uh, honestly, every field, you know, people feel like they're going to get here and they're going to find their group. They're going to find their niche. And maybe they didn't have that somewhere else before.
1: Yeah. And it works. Um, And of course, it works all over the world. It's not just New York City, but...
0: well. Sure. Yeah, it, it does work everywhere. But, you know, I'd like to think that we do it the best. Um, yeah. OK, so you're you're living up in Washington Heights. You're loving that apartment. And actually, do you I love to ask people this if you're comfortable sharing. Do you know what you paid for your rent at the first apartment you moved into?
1: Yeah, I think it, it was fifteen hundred dollars when okay. we first moved in. It was a real big place, though. It was um, two bedroom. Wow. The big living room. And we you know, we didn't need the other bedroom. So it just turned into our art like our art room. She had a big old art desk in there and I had my desk, you know, where I would do my writing.
0: Wow. And you guys stayed in that apartment for the entire 10 years?
1: Yeah, I did. Cuz every time we'd have a party and people would come over and people would come from all different if you could get them to come up to 173rd Street. That was the other kind of right. litmus test, you know. To get them to come up 170 to 173rd Street on the A train, you just get these like shot, you know, like, oh man, I I can't come up there. That's just too far. So I'll be like, well, what do you want me to do? Come down to where you live? Oh,
0: right. You
1: understand like the difference. Like I'm going to travel to see my friends and, and, you know, so, but anyway, so if you can get somebody to come up to where you live all the way up there, you knew they were, you knew they were great people, cool people, and they didn't mind going out of their way for somebody.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the type of people you want in your life. You want the friend who's willing to travel to come see you. Although, you know, sometimes that's hard to get that in New York. A lot of people aren't willing to go somewhere, but the ones who are, those are the ones to have in your pocket.
1: And they're always the best kind of people. But like when, whenever they'd walk into my door for the first time, they would just, they would always, they would always be oh my God, this place is so colorful and big. They would walk in our apartment and Ask us what the rant was. I mean, I know this always happens no matter where you go And the say, Oh, Lord, what would it take <laughs> to live here? Right. You yeah.
0: Know? No, I think we all, we all do that as New Yorkers. We walk into someone's apartment and we think like, could I live here? Is this what I could do? I think, you know, that is like a, a real New Yorker through and through to come to a new neighborhood and think like, wait, this might be better than what I have.
1: The people I consider real New Yorkers when I lived here, you know, they were talking about the city in a way that sounded very antiquated and gone, long gone. And already I feel like things are, like, long gone from what what I what I was used to when I lived in oh, town.
0: Oh, yeah, but there definitely is something to be said for – it sometimes feels really good to talk like that. Yeah. People love to say, you know, well, when I used to go here back in 1980-whatever, you know, it just it makes you feel good. It makes you feel important that you've been here that long.
1: It's also really funny to do that shit. Like, people do it on the construction sites all the time
0: oh, like
1: okay. it's because you know it irritates people it's kind of funny you know guys will be like yeah this is before your time but uh you know back before you got in the business and then they would say some, like, <laughs> some just like ridiculous thing basically nothing has really changed in the construction industry except safety it's just gotten safer <laughs> but they'll make it sound like you know they were like hanging out hanging off a cable from a helicopter, doing <laughs> sure. like uh, the most insane special forces job that ever conceived. It's just the same thing with the city, you know. It's like, yeah, yeah well, it's back before your time, but uh, you know, we used to go to the bat the bathhouses with the Ramones. Um, it's like <laughs> you totally did not do that. You didn't, you know, you didn't hang out with the Ramones. Um, I know for a fact you didn't because you're uh, you're lame, you know. <laughs>
0: I know that you're a loser, but I, I, yeah, people, people love, people love to do that. People love to talk about the heyday. People love to talk about, and you know, like we were saying, it's people love to talk about when they were young and the fun they were having. And I think everyone is guilty of that, myself included, but anyone who loves New York and chooses to spend their time here, there's always going to be a certain era that for them felt really great. Okay, so, but all that being said, I could listen to you talk all day and tell stories. You're such an amazing storyteller, but I want to get to the most important part of our show, which is now where I'm going to ask you uh, the big question, which is, what is the most fun you've ever had in New York?
1: Well, the most fun I ever had in New York was probably right before, right before the uh, pandemic hit. Sure. I was able to just, I kind of do these, these calls just for my just to call everybody out and try to get everyone together. And at that time by everybody, I just mean like, you know, the the circle of friends and, you know, nobody really would realize yet. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to hang out for years, but yeah. we were able to, I think, I think there's like 16 of us or something who all met at uh, Spain, which was, what? we <laughs> all just love to say, let's go to Spain, uh, go into the country, which is like, this wonderful little bar that would just seem like it was rotting apart. Oh, um, okay. You've ever been there?
0: No, I've never been. I mean, it sounds wonderful.
1: It's not there anymore. They closed, they closed it up. No, um, no. I heard there was this like wonderful family that ran it. And the, there was a, there was a man who from before my time, of course could, because he was, I think in his nineties, his name was Julio and he was still working. Um, and they would bring you out like, you know, a constant, just, Free appetizers as you drank there.
0: Oh, yeah. You got to love the free snacks with the drinks. I love the, uh, I love all 16 of you guys meeting up. That's such a, a big crew. And I love that you meet up at this place called Spain. It's so cool. So, yeah,
1: just getting together like 16 people and just hearing like the best. That's how, what it always is. I always have the most fun just with people hearing their best stories, you know? Yeah. And it's contagious. Like once, once I get my friends together, and they're my friends because they're some of the best storytellers I've, I've ever met. A lot of them are writers, some of them from the deep South who live in New York City now. Um, some of them, East Coasters who live here, people from out West. And they just gravitate towards the city for because they are just romantic about it too. But that's probably my, my favorite night. Just like, all, you know, drinking till late, late in the hours, just laughing all night with all my friends. And we didn't know that, you know, everything was about to shut down for a solid year Where you really wouldn't be wouldn't even be able to think about hanging out with your friends.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think any of us foresaw that coming. Um, real quick though, where was Spain? Because I don't know that place. Where is it located?
1: Uh, it it was on 13th and I think it was like 13th and Sixth or something. Uh, At the time, I had gotten I'd gotten into teaching somehow, um, create like creative writing stuff. I'd get off the PATH train at 14th Street, and I just couldn't believe my life. You know, I would get off the you know, I was finally doing it, like having a job where I commuted. It was my second job at the time, but commuting by train into the city. And I'd go into this I'd go into this building and, and the people would come and, and they'd be excited to talk about stories. And that's what I always wanted.
0: Yeah. I mean, you just I love that so much. you Like making me tear up. I'm just thinking, you know, you, you finally got it. Like you wanted to be around people and be able to talk about books and, you know, ride the subway and what you wanted happened and it must've just felt so great.
1: Yeah, it did. And then it would be like afterwards, um, you know, it's time to go home. The class would be over at maybe like nine thirty, ten o'clock. And it'd be like, all right, well, I'll see you guys next, next Tuesday. And, you know, you try to get out the door. And then before you know it, somebody would say, well, hey, let's go have one at Spain, you know, and then <laughs> yeah. they'd- and there you are talking about stories and, and laughing and, and hearing people tell their best stories. It's right around the corner.
0: Oh, I just love that. I just, you know, it definitely harkens back to an age that we haven't felt for a little bit, though it's coming back a bit now, is that idea of just being out with friends, stopping at your favorite place, putting out the, you know, bat signal call in the group text and saying, everyone come, like we're doing it. Um And I just remember having those fabulous nights. I also had one right before lockdown with a great group of friends and had this amazing dinner. And I just remember sitting there and thinking, wow, like, we're so lucky to have that. And I didn't even have, you know, the foresight to think of what was going to happen. But I did think like, wow, this is I'm just so lucky that I get to sit down with all of these people and have a great time and laugh my ass off and have wonderful food and excellent wine and all that bullshit, but be with all of these people that I love. And I think that's something, you know, we all missed for a really long time. And that sucks.
1: It sucks. And you know, one of the funniest things things about, um, you know, that, that last, that last night hanging out with everybody, you know, was, it was raining. It was (laughs) was raining that night. And so like, I remember texting my friend, Michael, my best friends, but I'll say like our best friends, you know, this group of friends I have. Mm -hmm. And we're like, you got to come out. Like, what what are you doing? You're really not coming out because it's raining. And he's like, no dog, it's porn. I'm not coming out. And so it'd be like, that's all fine and well until the world shut down for a year. And then I just remember like how, how sad he was to like, to realize like what he missed, you know, he's like, I can't, I can't believe I didn't go out. He's like, like, no matter what, he's going to go out in the rain after that, you know, for the rest of his life. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I feel bad for Michael in the moment, but I think he maybe learned a really uh, valuable lesson now, which is you always say yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I can say definitely, you know, with everyone I know and my group of friends, I am definitely the ringleader. I am always... Uh, forcing people to go out against their wills it's probably pretty annoying but you know i'm always the one who's saying we have to do it we have to do it we have to do it and i have to say these days post covid i feel like i'm getting a a lot less no
1: yeah and i mean you know of course sometimes people are like you know literally <laughs> i'm i'm an alcoholic or becoming a really you know getting closer to my alcoholic actual need to face it. So I'm not coming out tonight because, you you know, you're all enabling me to be a drunk. But it's like, at least in New York City, I'm not enabling you to be a drunk driver. You know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Very good point. Very good point.
1: Yeah, you're always going to be able to find a way to get home.
0: Yes. Hopefully, hopefully, you'll always find a way to get home. Well, I love I love your story. And it's a, it's a simple one, but it's a lovely one. And it's one that we need to remember and it's all the times that we need to go out and have now which is just say yes to your friends like go do something fun go meet up somewhere and see what can happen you never know and even if it's raining grab
1: your umbrella exactly
0: well thank you so much for that excellent story i just i think it's so lovely and i just have my final question for you which is what is your favorite thing about new york
1: the people um, that that I that I can I live here because there's so many people and it's easy to find people who are going to give you the answers to what you're looking for in life. Um, mostly, I hang out with writers, and I and I don't do it be, like for networking, and I don't do it because you know sometimes you know writers want to get together and talk about like you know the craft or something like that, like. <laughs> Oh, this is how you write a better short, you know, you know, I do like the recommendations, you know, I'm always, if somebody's going to tell me passionately about something that they, they love, and that they want me to, and it could be a, it could be a piece of art, it can be a place to go to, it can be somebody else.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, one of my favorite things in the city is when somebody starts talking about another one of their friends in town and you're like, Oh, you got to meet so-and-so because they're so fucking funny and they're so crazy and you (laughs) have to meet them. And and then somebody else would be like, yeah, I can't believe you haven't met this person yet. And then when they finally come around, you feel like you're meeting a a folk tale or something. You mean a folk hero? Yeah. Um, Well, and usually they're just really, they're just really good at drinking and telling funny stories, but (laughs) that's what I need. But like I hang out with writers because they are the people Um, who seem the most of anybody I know and they're not the most successful at it, but they are actually trying to figure out shit when in between, when you see them again and maybe everybody is, but at least they'll vocalize it. I can get them to vocalize like what they have figured out since I saw them last. And I've, I've just, I grew up around a lot of people and I still, I work with a a lot of men that are like this where you won't see somebody for a long time and you'll, you know you'll be like oh it's so great to see you they're usually they're all named mike you know working <laughs> in construction on the east coast they're all named mike mike it's so good to see you what, i haven't seen you in like three years what, what do you what's new what have you been up to i don't know fucking working uh... and, you, and it ends there you know no. and you, first of all <laughs> like, and like i said may, maybe they figured some shit out since the last time you saw them and they could give you some kind of some kind of secret clue into like the meaning of life without saying it so bluntly, but they don't, they just say, I don't know. I've been working or same shit. What's new? Same shit. But like when I hang out with my, my, my nerdy writer friends, they want to tell you something. They want to tell you something really usually ridiculous. And you can kind of, you can kind of puzzle out some kind of answer to your own life by listening to other people when they're an open hand rather than closed fist and they want to talk to you yeah they don't want it's it's okay they <laughs> you can you can talk about jazz um as loud as you want in this <laughs> bar no right. one's no one's gonna and 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 these are even people who are they don't have any reason to um they don't have any reason to feel like they have to be closed off like that they're they are just closing themselves off Nothing's gonna happen to them in America if they if they just you know admit that they're not com- you know completely 100 you know by the by the book, quote unquote you know 1950s masculine tough guy you survived World War II and you're still doing it you know with the <laughs> white picket fence and you know all that stuff
0: still jumping out of helicopters
1: still jumping out of helicopters. <laughs>
0: Well, Budsman, thank you so much for being on the show. I love your stories, all of them. I love Teenager. It's such an excellent book. Please go get it, everyone. I'm so lucky to have had you on the show. And, you know, I wish I could come meet you in Spain. Unfortunately, we don't have that option anymore. But, you know, maybe we could meet in France or something like that. But I'm sure there'll be somewhere new soon enough that will be wonderful that you can go to with all of your friends.
1: There, there's always a new place to go to, a new place that will still be here in 50 years if it does it right.
0: Yes, God willing, they'll still be here. Well, thank you so much for being my guest. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me on the show.
0: And most of all, thanks, New York. They had fun.